We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hello, everyone, and welcome into the Gilcast. You are either listening to this on the Sports Grid Fantasy Football Podcast feed or the Roto Grinders Daily Fantasy Football feed. I am Davis Maddock, joined by Nate Noling and Sammy Reed on Monday morning, not a Sunday night. Um, Nate got the blade. He didn't want to do the show. You know, he just, he was too depressed. He just, he looked at Brock Purdy's magnificent face and he said, no, thank you. He instead played Mr. Unlimited. You you guys know. <laughs> no, no, thanks. I'm going to play a washed up 5'10 quarterback on a terrible team. I got this and I'm going to stack his ass in cash. This is going to lead. Yeah, that's to the riches. thing. I didn't just play him. I, I locked in multiple lock like lineup spots around him. And I thought it was the positive edge. Uh, so again, this does not happen very often. Sammy and I played the exact same team in DraftKings.com NFL DFS cash games. I really, probably in all the years we have done this show, Sammy, I want to say this has happened less than five times. It, it really does not happen that often. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was, I was. You know, it's six in the morning over here, and I was telling my wife. She goes, "Oh, you know, I'm gonna go do the podcast," and she goes, "Who, who lost the Gilcast?" And I'm like, "Oh yeah, Nate got it." And and me and Davis actually played the same team, and she goes. Does that happen often? I'm like, nah, not really. And never. You know. It doesn't lose very often. Yeah. Well, there were, there were, this was a very interesting week. So these were the scores. Uh, Davis Maddock, Whirling Dervish, 169.36 points. Nate N, 158.14 points. What happened was this week in cash was there was five locks. I, I don't, I don't ever, there's some slates like this. Normally, normally what will happen was though there will be, a running back lock, a wide receiver lock, and a tight end lock. But this week we had Moss as a lock, Reek as a lock, Rashad White as a lock, Brevin Jordan as a lock, Falcons defense as a lock, and depending on who you talk to, Brock Purdy as a lock. So that's six. That is very, It was fine. It was fine. I don't think, 
I, I don't think Brock Purdy was a lock, obviously. I also don't think, I mean, CMC, I think could have been debated, but there were, I mean, most of the top blended optimals didn't actually had CMC. That's because um, the top was, blended optimals don't know ball. No, it's because it's because Brevin Jordan was being conservatively projected. The top optimals for every site were David and Joku teams. They had they had yeah. David and Joku as the optimal tight end, which everyone I mean, even if you don't know ball, you knew not to do that and you knew to play Brevin Jordan. Um at, at Yeah, but end. but 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 the thesis was right that Joe Flacco can actually throw the ball in a way that Correct. Deshaun Watson couldn't even do. I mean, well, the weird correct. thing was those top optimal blended optimals faded uh, more as well. So, like, it was actually a pivot off of more to like a higher price to wide Curtis Samuel. Two. It was to no, Curtis it Samuel was, or was, Terry McLaurin. Yeah. So, Curtis Samuel was actually the third most owned wide receiver at 26%. It looks like a lot of people did the Josh Downs combination. A lot of people did Greg Dorch. He was 13%. Some people got into this. I, I, I need to know how this happened but one construction got off of a added uh, instead of playing the Deontay Johnson Cortland Sutton tier of guys they played an expensive second wide receiver with Tyreek because Pittman was Olave. owned Olave Olave was owned and Ayuk was owned so that means that means about 40% of the teams did not play Sutton or Deontay Johnson and instead played one of these expensive wide receivers but that necessitated not playing Rashad White. And I look, I apologize to the listeners of the show if you did this. But Jalen Warren, instead of Rashad White to get to that spot, I mean, that is just dog shit decision making because Jalen Warren has to run so I, I like Jalen Warren. I think he's good. He's fantastic. He's such a good player. He's so much better than Najee Harris. He is a dog, but you're playing a part-time back on the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's not a recipe for success. You don't do that in cash. It's it it is it is the definition of just being a bit too fancy. Honestly, you could say it might even be knowing a bit too much ball because when you watch Rashad White play, <laughs> you're never you're never watching Rashad White and being like, "Oh, dude, smashes!" Like, dude's so good. But yeah. he he like actually has the best role outside of maybe McCaffrey in the NFL. Yeah, if, I mean, if Jalen Warren had his role, Jalen Warren would be over eight K every week. Yes, no doubt yeah, about the Rashad it. White role. But yeah, Davis is right. I mean, there is a line of like knowing too much ball and not being able to like play literally bad knowing players. too much ball. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes you have to be able to play bad players that get the opportunity. And this that's the Rashad White. I mean, this isn't a talent-based bet at all. Anybody who played Rashad White going into like the season from like a best ball standpoint because of talent, like needs to take the L. But this opportunity is second to only CMC. I mean, it's crazy. It is. So this was the team that uh, that Sammy and I played. Brock Purdy, a quarterback, Rashad White, Zach Moss, and Christian McCaffrey at running back. Tyreek Hill with Elijah Moore and Deontay Johnson. Brevin Jordan, a tight end, and the Atlanta Falcons defense. These were the decisions. You had to decide between Russell Wilson and Cortland Sutton or Brock Purdy and Deontay Johnson. You had to decide, I, if I remember correctly, it was Curtis Samuel, and there was a $3,200 defense that, a Colts, the Colts defense. It was um, it was Downs and the Colts defense versus uh, the Falcons defense and Deontay Johnson. Now, I do need this on the record. I think the team that Sammy and I played was good. 
I don't know if I would say it is 100% optimal you had to show up with this team because that included Deontay Johnson, who's Sammy. I mean, this guy, him getting a touchdown is like unbelievable. We ran so good. The luck box box off the chart. Deontay Johnson is absolute dog crap. I mean, literally like. He is. He is. You could not be more right about this. Well, well, wait a minute, fellas. Wait a minute. Like, let's just relax on the Deontay Johnson slander. The reality is the weather happened in Pittsburgh. The skies opened up. There was a giant delay. And Davis was like, should I swap? Should I swap? Because, you know, well, I was going to. So I what happened was, is I was actually going to swap with this Deontay Johnson two burger. I looked at it a little bit and there were other guys who were busting at the time. Like we knew like Dorch had zero when that game was paused. Downs was a bust in the McLaurin early games. Had zero too. Oren had zero. Um, there were a couple. Alave like did fine. Parker had ten. There were there were busts in there. But the more important thing for our team, Sammy, was that I was going to swap if Russ got another touchdown in the fourth quarter and he blanked the fourth yeah. quarter. He actually lost points in the fourth. Yeah, he was quarter throwing. He was throwing interceptions, interceptions, not winning games. He was doing Russell Wilson things. So. I felt like I was like, I think Russ got 16 in, in the end. So I was like, Purdy can beat him pretty easily, right? Purdy can beat him by five. And then we had the final quarter of the Steelers game left. Yeah, like the final half, essentially. Yeah. So versus Nate's team, which was, I, I think Nate's was the second most popular team behind ours. I, I felt pretty good. I did have a 215. Got to give a shout out to uh, Danny Donahue, seven, seven, seven. I did swap versus you. You played Nate's team. I, I thought I, I'm going to swap in this spot, but I swapped to Debo in in that team. So and <laughs> <laughs> ended up ended up uh, getting getting that one. You're there. you're mentally weak because this dude sent me a two fifteen also, and, and I did not swap. swap. I yeah. just I just I yeah I I don't have paper hands like you do. I knew Brock Purdy the goat would come through, and he did. It's I mean, I the- think I think at that point. I don't know if a swap was as I think it was probably as, bad. As, yeah. I mean, obviously I think Russell Wilson did run bad in that fourth quarter. Like that could have gone opposite, like, especially Russell Wilson's history. Like, obviously I don't believe in narrative street, but like fourth quarter, Russ Wilson is actually like, he does perform in the fourth quarter. I don't, but, I don't know if you saw the uh, Patriots Super Bowl, Nate or not, but I, I think that narrative might be a little debunked. No, it's, it's pretty accurate. And the, and Deontay Johnson getting there the way he did, I think like that team did run hot, but I do think swapping was probably bad because most of the swaps people did, they went on to like Njoku and Njoku versus Brevin or they, yeah, they went to a double tight end build. That's what they did, right? Well, Elijah Moore would have been the guy to swap off of, which is what I did. So I swapped off McCaffrey and so in in that the the swap I ended up doing was I kept Purdy and I kept Rashad White and I swapped um, Elijah Elijah Moore and McCaffrey to Debo and Kittle because it, it increased the correlation and it was direct leverage on McCaffrey who everyone um, I would have been trailing to I think the other had. swap was Hertz and Joku over Purdy CMC right um. The, the actually the other swap I looked at was getting off of Rashad White and it was Purdy Jerome Ford Debo Puka which um that that, that also would have been that also would have been yeah I think I think Puka yeah. did okay if I remember yeah. correctly it, it would have been I mean that would have been 
Uh, how it, dude puka has banished cooper cup into the shadow realm like it's really it, incredible it's it's like dude, the it's cooper sad. cup thing this cooper it's, cup thing. it's it's it over be, it's over it be it, it's over it's over and this happens very fast in the nfl and you need to like grasp onto it and understand it's happening and and it's happened i mean who had a quicker fall off cooper cup or michael thomas i mean literally like it was these guys turned to dust so well fast. it was it was kind of cooper cup because michael thomas didn't play for like a year and a half and then he just came back like a, a decrepit version of himself whereas cooper cup was like oh yeah you know he's he got hurt last season but he's good for this season and then he got hurt in the preseason again and then he came back and had two great games it's like cooper cup's back and then no well remember he got hurt again so yeah. he's been he came back and got hurt again i mean this is just what happens when you turn like this is he's, what he's all- not a young man this is what all athletes say. It's not that Cooper Cup lost his innate ability to be good. It's that his body is betraying him and he can't do it every snap, every play anymore. They just, you you can, we I mean, you see this with like LeBron, I think is like a great example. Some nights LeBron just like doesn't have it. He goes, I mean, he's, the old, he's literally, I believe the oldest player in the NBA now. And he goes out and sometimes the shot's falling and he's getting to his spots. And like, sometimes it looks like he's wearing fucking chain mail. You know, he just can't, he can't yeah. get there. Uh, so this slate, I mean, I guess the the thing that we're re- like, there's not anything interesting. Yeah. There's, there, there was so much overlap in the slate. I actually think it's less about players that I wanted to talk about and more just get like discussion around like optimal ways to play in this new train environment. I mean, the, the train team. Nate, Nate, Nate wants to justify his rust to, to uh no no, it has nothing to do with the individual decisions it's more like do i think that playing the train team in double ups is optimal or is a two cash lineup build the more optimal way to play in today's playing 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 one team in the double playing playing one one team in head-to-heads because i do think the train team is better in head-to-heads like that train team more often than not is going to win over your head-to-heads but i do think playing this 12 percent owned train team that you know in double ups is going to be more than 10% owned and duped. I, I don't think that's sharp. So like, I, I think doing a double tight end or a double cash team was like a thing a few years ago of like, Oh, I, I split, you know? And I used to always think that was negative EV, but I'm actually, I almost pulled the trigger yesterday of playing the train team in head to heads and, and playing my team in uh, double ups and 50 fifties and three mans. But I, I do wonder like, just because it's it's it the overlap is so strong now if it's even I just don't play, play very many double ups. I that's I just, that's a that's the thing. Yeah. And Herzig tweeted something about this. He said, listen, on a slate like this where we anticipate massive duping, play more head to heads. Like get out of the double ups and just play more volume in head to heads because that's where this kind of like really duped optimal is going to perform better and so that's that's definitely what i did i played i, I really i really only play the double ups to have ownership for swap decisions and for this show so i can just talk about like who played what like i i, I probably get average week i get between a thousand and fifteen hundred in head-to-heads depending on how many invites i get and a hundred two hundred bucks in the double ups i do the massive $50 double up, the massive $25 double up. And then if there are big $5 and $3 ones, I'll do those. Yeah. And I, and, and I only play the single entries. Yes, I'm kind correct. of the same and yes. only play the, like I haven't played a multi-entry double up in, in seasons because the average, 
they're just not pro and it's, they're especially not profitable towards the back end of the season. Like maybe in like week two when yeah. everyone's still super excited in the content, like the look, go Nate. I mean, I'm sure you can pull this up in your fucking. Oh, I, I have all my, I have all my, look, yeah, well I, just I look at the way. size of the massive $50 double up in week one versus week 13. My guess is that the total number of entries is down 50% because the, the appetite is just not there for it. I was going to say 20, it, it 20%. It's but. more like twenty percent. Sammy's right. I think it went from paying out thirty-five to five thousand to down to like twenty-five hundred this week. So, but, and then you assume that the players who are not playing anymore are the ones who are losing money, who are not, who are not having winning seasons. So you're just the the pool is just getting cold into better players who have access to good information. Yeah, like, my ROI in double ups is still higher than my ROI in head to heads, but my um, wow. overall volume in head to heads is. 70% of my total cash action compared to 20% for double ups. And then I have a lot in three mans as well. So, I mean, but I do think double ups are still profitable. Those single entry, when there's 5,000, like it's still profitable. Like these things are still, these things are still profitable. Yeah, but, but it's I do like, stay, it's, it's, just the same stay the hell out of the multi-entry. Like just do that. Yeah. You don't, you don't want to play against Levitan's cash team 150 times or whatever, or you don't, you don't want to play against that. Like my thing is I don't want to play against people who are just running out the established the run optimal unless I think they don't know how to adjust for blind spots. Like if you send me a 109 or a 215 and I look at your team and I'm like, you you just ran the most optimal team, I probably won't play you again the next week, honestly. Like and unless yeah, I you're just you, you're just trading dollars. You're just trading rake. Right. Like I, I there's there's roughly a zero percent chance that I am gonna be stone cold profitable versus someone who's just clicking optimize on the blitz or ETR or whatever every single week. Like maybe, right. maybe but, but if run... you send me if you send me a, a head to head and you played Russ Wilson this week, buddy, let's run it back. Yeah, I mean I do I guess the, <laughs> that's like the one interesting decision that we can talk about. Like I I I I the I didn't like Russell Wilson because he's got no ceiling. He's got he's got a maximum ceiling. Cannot do better than twenty five points under like under no. In this game environment, I do think that's not necessarily true. Russ always has a little bit of a running floor, and in this game, if Houston plays anything like they have been in the past four six weeks. Like this should have been a game where where Denver was forced to throw and it was going to be one of Russ's highest volume spots of the season. So and you have a pretty condensed target like Cortland Sutton is his is his main guy. Judy is not stealing the volume from the, him Sutton, the Sutton so. stuff is all like the most insane touchdown regression shit of all time, which is why I didn't want to play him. Yeah. And the other thing is, and this is coming just knowing ball. Like Russell Wilson isn't good. Yeah. He isn't good. That, that's also ultimately where I landed is like, I, I'm a pretty um, agnostic. Like I'm willing to admit he was better than I thought he was five weeks ago, 10 weeks ago, the beginning of the season. But Russ is, is just bad. I mean, he's and, just and if you look good. at his like underlying stuff, like his like EPA and stuff like that, like he's having a way better fantasy season than he's had in a couple of years. But like, if you look at his underlying, like, are you actually good metrics? They're, they're, still bad like they haven't they haven't come up from the last couple of years whereas i'm not pretty agnostic like i think purdy is actually good 
Yeah, oh, he's pretty not. significantly better than Wilson. It's just this yeah. spot. I, I, I he's number Wilson one. Is a better spot. Pur- Purdy's yeah, number Purdy's, one. And Purdy's very good. Like I don't think you can be a pretty agnostic at this point. If you're a pretty agnostic, you basically have to ignore no, statistics. bro, bro. There is there is such debate on Twitter about Purdy being good or not, and it's and just you have like... to ignore statistics at this point. I mean, he's he's. I mean, you can't argue at this point that he is. How could you? That he is mediocre or less. How could you? It's like his skills obviously don't jump off the screen, but the guy just makes the right decision, all, like he's, consistently. He's a point. He's a point guard. He's Chris. Yeah, Paul. right. And that's and that's fine. You know, we're in this age of like, oh yeah, we have these dual threat quarterbacks, these physical beasts, and stuff like that. And those guys are awesome, right? But not everybody can be Josh Allen. We're not saying Purdy's Josh Allen. At its core, quarterbacking is about making correct decisions and delivering accurate passes. And Purdy does those things extremely well. And we're also anchored to the fact that this guy was like basically undrafted. He was the last pick in the NFL draft. And so it's like, oh, yeah, he went to this team, you know, with this great offensive coordinator and these great weapons, and he doesn't have to do much. And it's like, you still have to make the right decision all the time, and you still have to deliver accurate passes. He does those things. Like, yeah, volatility isn't always a good thing. And someone like a Josh Allen provides volatility and provides you outcomes in situations where the baseline, there isn't a positive expectation. So then he is able to create these opportunities or these plays where his EPA is crazy because it's like, oh, there was it's a very volatile play. But there's also Josh Allen plays that are massively negative because he's trying to produce these outcomes where Brock Purdy's baseline, if he just if he just operates at a mediocre medium baseline because there's so many other targets in San Francisco that have positive expected outcomes. He doesn't need to be that volatile. If he was that volatile, it would actually be a negative to that team. If he played the way Josh Allen did, I think San Francisco would be a worse team. I want to, I want to go back to the thing you said about the game environment, because I, I, the game environment was better for Purdy. These are, these are two teams with bad pass defenses and good run defenses. And I mean, Samuel backed me up on this one big game I mean a big game is more like a big game where the tensions are that high and these teams like really want to get one over on one another they're pulling it out yeah you're well you're much more likely to see what happened which is they're up 30 points in the fourth quarter and Purdy's still chucking you know Jalen Hurts is taken out of the game taken to the locker room yeah and then comes back out and and it's like why should he play I think they were down like three plus scores at that point Jalen Hurts is coming back in you know, he's coming back in the game. Like there, this is this is a, a game for the number one seed. And the number one seed is huge because it's the only one that gets a buy. And so your chances of winning the championship are significantly improved by winning the number one seed. It's like these teams are not giving it up. They're not pulling their guys. Like they must win this game. I don't disagree with that hypothesis, but the market clearly did. I mean, they were only it was only a 47 game total. This was not what you would have expected from these two teams coming in. So there there clearly was market. Uh, pulling pulling this overall offensive expectation of this game down. So like you had to ignore the market to to have that hypothesis. And I'm not saying that hypothesis was wrong, but I think going with market is going to be much better than 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 not. I mean, this was well, the same tell, game tell, tell that to Davis where the market said San Francisco's favorite in this game, and Davis is like, yeah, I I made I made my biggest <laughs> side bet of the year on the <laughs> Philadelphia Eagles. I think I got plus one twenty nine on the money line. Um, Big big bet for me, and uh, I I would have I would have sold my I would have sold my Eagles money line ticket 
for like seven dollars in the second quarter i think i mean it was just very obvious it wasn't going to happen for well yeah, it, it worked it, out it but i'm just saying going against market like long term if we're trying to talk about like successful cash strategies over the long run that's not going to work yeah okay tournaments do, uh, wait wait wait, wait. Do we have we, anything can, else we, on can we talk a little bit about wide receiver three because so Elijah, Elijah Moore versus Curtis Samuel versus Dorch versus Devontae Parker. Yeah, I'd like to yeah, just just touch on that because you know, I'm looking at the the giant $25 and Elijah Moore was 35%. Um I don't know if you have the other guys Davis, but Yeah, I do. Okay. So, uh, so Dorch Dorch was oh shit, I pulled Dorch was 13%, Devontae Parker was 10%. Curtis Samuel was actually the most owned of them, right about 30%. Um I'm okay with I mean that. I Obviously, I got I got no issue um, with the uh, no issue with the Curtis Samuel play. Like I have no issue with the Dorch play. If Dorch, I have no issue with the Dorch play either. Yeah. yeah, if Dorch and Elijah Moore were the same price, I couldn't find the two hundred dollars, but I would have played Dorch. I would. I also would have. Uh, just being just being honest about it. Um, that's yeah. my that's my short king. I, yeah. I tried to make it work. I didn't like the sacrifices you needed to get there. But I, I do. There were three I'm, bad punts, though, that people did play. A.T. Perry, uh, Devontae Parker, and Jonathan Mingo. And both, all three of those, I think, are objectively bad. No, Mingo, Mingo, I thought was okay. If you guys want to, you guys want to really get inside the lab. The guy who let's, I had, in my pla- the guy I had in my placeholder from when I made the team on Monday to when I woke up on Sunday morning and started looking at it was Tyquan Thornton. I was like, I was like jazzed <laughs> to play Tyquan Thornton. I, I think there was a tweet. I think you tweeted about Tyquan Thornton. I, I played Ty. I play. I did play him in one of my um, single entry teams. He he did have a thirty nine yard rush. I also, uh, you know, just being fully transparent with my financial decisions, I also put Tyquan Thornton over twenty one and a half receiving yards in like every parlay that i did this weekend and when i realized that his 39 yard play was a rush was a i rush. was just i was so bummed out. <laughs> just so brutal. there it is there it is well davis he only came up 21 and a half receiving yard short so not not bad Devonte parker i mean parker ended up with nine targets so so yeah. nate talk a little bit about why you think that was bad yeah, that I feels was... like a nate play yeah I mean, this ugly, ugly volume, terrible game environment, but the Whopper, bro, the Whopper. Yeah, this game environment, it it was, I mean, what was the overall finish? 6-0? I mean, it was like, there was there was no way I could have played any offensive player in this game environment. It like, was like the worst game of all time. Yes. I mean, and it wasn't like, oh, wow, this outcome was totally un, unexpected. Like, no, like you're if you simulate outcomes for this game, this is not a bottom two percentile outcome. This is a maybe bottom 30% outcome, but like it was a team total of or a game total of less than 40. It was going down throughout the week. It was weather concerns. This was like the grossest pace, everything play on the slate. So like, I wouldn't have played a punt wide receiver from that spot. So Davis, I need a real fast. I need a ball take, which 30 year old, uh, former league winning fantasy player who got a high ankle sprain recently is more dust Cooper cup or Austin Eckler. Eckler Eckler is more dust because his entire career has been based on efficiency. Like Cooper cup, I think could kind of Michael Thomas, his way to like a bunch of six for sixties in, in the fantasy playoffs, like to the point where like you can start him, but Eckler in this spot with like the way the team, the way the chargers are playing and like the lack of receiving threat outside of Keenan Allen, 
it just feels like the efficiency stuff is going to be real hard for him to do. Well, I, I don't think his career has been defined so much as by straight up efficiency as it is fantasy efficiency, i.e. high value touches. Like he's never he's never gotten massive volume, but catches and touchdowns he just gets so, so many of. And like he is legit not getting it done on the ground anymore. But with with only Keenan Allen as a legit pass catcher, like last year, they just threw him the ball a ton. And he was just like he was just racking it up. And yeah, that's not, not even happening. Not throwing this it like he and Josh Kelly had the same amount of targets in this game. Yeah, it's not is, not great. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's go to tournament teams. I actually had uh, a little bit of a sweat yesterday. I got to pull it up. It, it ended up, it was not as much of a sweat as I thought because it turns out when you uh, when you just play the chalk, you actually end up being blocked by So, by so David, Davis texts us, you know, 20 minutes before the end of the games and he goes, guys, if Purdy and Debo both bonus and there's a touchdown, I might win the red zone. And then literally as the text comes through, slips screen to Debo, he rumbles for a 50-yard touchdown or whatever. Purdy bonus, Debo bonus, Debo third touchdown. And Davis, and and, and we're like texting frantically, and Davis goes, nope, never mind. (laughs) Never mind, totally blocked. (laughs) I definitely, I yeah, it's just, I mean, I guess I I really did not realize that 30% of entrants in these contests were playing Brock Purdy, like, that's pretty nuts. But that's this is the not... worst thing in the world. When you think you have like the nut outcome and then you look and it's like, wait, I didn't move. <laughs> yeah. Davis no, thought I he was moved, winning 50, 50K and it goes like to $400. Yeah, that, it, it was one of those classic spots. So uh, <laughs> I played, these were my angles this week. The only two quarterbacks I played were Purdy and Howell. Um, the only running backs I played were A-Chain moss and kyron williams i used kyron and flex in some teams i played a chain on every team he was six percent owned uh he will never that, that usage was actually really interesting because i, I he think was you the talked closer. about this. yeah he closed that was weird yeah so i i, I uh, give me a ball take is it like they they view mostert as the more important one to protect for the playoffs yeah. that that's clearly what it is is they that, view, that's kind of what i mostert thought they view Mostert as the lead guy. And maybe it's like they know that A-Chain is like this really special player or whatever, but they just can't count on him because he's, he's already been injured twice. But it's know? still so strange that like coming off injury, they would, I mean, you look at the log and it's like fourth quarter, it's like A-Chain for six, A-Chain for six, A-Chain for two, A-Chain for five, A-Chain for 13. His, his and second like, touchdown was a fourth and goal to go. Like, yeah. like they, they were just dicking around. Yeah. And it's like, wait, what? Why, why are you doing this? This guy was just, he just came off IR. That like, doesn't I, make me, that doesn't make me feel bad about playing him. Cause I think that like all of that is encompassing, right? Like either role, the Mostert role for a chain or the a chain role that he had for him. Either of those is fine. As long as Jeff Wilson jr. Is not impeding, which he did. Yeah. He played, but it, he but it should snaps. affect the way that we view the a chain efficiency to realize that every touch that he gets is when the defense is not expect, like where all of Mostert's work is like in situations where, it's much tougher to gain those yards. So I do think like a chain's efficiency metrics do need to put in some context, but yeah, he's sure. And, and I will, and I will say, uh, Mostert for those who are like predicting his demise, the moment a chain came back, Mostert is now, I believe at six touchdowns in four games that they played together. Like, yeah, he's going to be fine. So this team was Purdy, a chain Moss, Debo, Tyreek, Curtis, Samuel, Brevin, Jordan, Devonta Smith, and, 
the the real shit capper. I played the Saints defense instead of the Patriots defense here for the ownership discrepancy. Yep. And uh Saints defense generated zero points in this game. Um, so that's not great. I, I mean, yeah. this is so this team is like a great example of I actually I looked at it this team this morning actually had negative sim ROI, like negative like 50% or something sim ROI, but these sort of ownerships are what is happening with the Sims in these contests, which is that the chalk is ending up getting way more owned than it used to like Tyreek in this spot at 9,600 last year would have been 30%, not 55%. And Zach Moss would have been 65% instead of 80%. And Purdy would have been 10% instead of 30%. And Curtis Samuel would have been 12% instead of 30%. Like all, like all that stuff is yeah. the Bas- Sims basically the Sims have what, what the Sims have told ever, taught everybody is chalk is good. Eat more of it. Yeah. It's like DFS has gone in a full circle from play the best plays to get leverage to play the best plays again. Yeah, It's, you know, a, like it's, it's the, it's doing. the bell curve meme. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, the, the team that the team that ended up winning actually was not dissimilar to mine played a shit ton of chalk. It was Purdy white Moss Tyreek. Michael Pittman Jr. was his, uh, uh, you know, verge off the chalk or whatever at 7%. Had Curtis Samuel, had Brevin Jordan, had Debo Samuel, had the Falcons defense at 20% owned. Like, I mean, that's like a cash team. That's like, that's incredible. It's, it's the, it's the, it's the cash team with no CMC Pittman instead of uh, the dusty 5k wide receiver that that we played yeah that, that's really all it is insane kind of incredible yeah insane kind of incredible um well, all right sammy what do you got yeah i mean the team that i played in the spy was essentially kind of like this um you know it was, it was kind of a cash game show and just like a little bit reworked for tournaments it was uh purdy mccaffrey and debo all together uh bringing it back with aj brown and then I played Chalk with Zach Moss. Uh, I played Corton Sutton uh, and Brevin what Jordan. Was Sutton, owned? Uh, Sutton was 16.3. Okay. Actually, less owned in tournaments less, than, in, yeah. than in cash. Yeah. Right. Kind of interesting. Crazy. So I, I played a little a little back to back game with Sutton and Brevin Jordan. Brevin Jordan, 39% owned. Holy crap. I. You know uh, what? I think that's fine because you had to play Tyreek this week and he was one of the easiest ways to do it. The only tight end who gave you the blade was Laporta. Yeah. Yeah. And McBride too, I guess McBride. Yeah. I didn't play Tyreek in this lineup. I, I I put AJ Brown in instead, um, you know, for the, for the correlation and the lulls and you know, all that stuff. AJ Brown was 13%. um, So what are you going to do? And then where I got different in this lineup is I played at wide receiver three. I played Jamison Williams at 6.7%. Uh, one, one target, I think. Um, yeah, but he scored a rushing touchdown. Buddy, he, I mean, if, if, if you had tweeted a clip of that rushing touchdown in the preseason, like you did with Calvin Ridley, Jameson yeah. Williams would have been a third yeah. round pick. I mean, that dude looked like a flash, like you ain't seen speed like that since back in the day. Like that was insane. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's got to get more touches. It's insane. How much, how much faster he is than everybody else on that field. It's Jesus Christ. Like, oh man. I mean, it's sort of like, 
it's it's kind of like the Marvin Mims type thing where I just think clearly the coaching staff doesn't trust him as much as they trust Josh Reynolds, like the, the oh, Broncos sure. coaching staff thinks. Well, so Mims Jordan didn't Humphrey. look physically like Williams did. Will, Mims put up the numbers, but Williams literally looks well, like Well, Jameson Williams is big. I mean, he's he, I think he's 6'1", 205 or whatever. Maybe, maybe he's 195. Well, he was also – wasn't he like a top 10 pick? Yeah. They traded up for him. They, the, the, the Lions traded up for the right to select this guy who was like barely played in the, yeah, NFL I feel like he was like the ninth seasons. pick in the draft or something. Like he was he, super I think, he was, I think the 12th pick, if I, something like if that. I yeah. I mean, he was unbelievable at Alabama, like unreal good at Alabama. Yeah. So it's like, not, not all that surprising. I just like, there's this thing going around now the last couple of weeks where people are talking about how bad ownership projections are. And uh, here, let me let me see if I can pull up the uh, the, the the tweet to find. This is this is actually a good tweet. While you're pulling it up, I'll just say that I finished this lineup out with a thirty-eight hundred dollar defense at three point seven percent owned. Uh, the the Steelers of Pittsburgh. <laughs> uh, so two points for them. Defense is worth a shit. Yeah, um, not great. Uh, this this team did score. I mean, less than cash, but it scored one sixty and did cash in the spy. So. Okay, so this is the tweet uh, at Sheets Pones PWNS uh, has been tweeting these out. So it's really showing about how bad uh, ownership projections have been, like specifically like the last month. I, I don't, I guess the Sims have just so entered the consciousness, but what's happening is the chalk is getting way more owned. So this is for the Millie Maker. Uh, industry projected ownership 28%. 44% draft in the millimaker. Zach Moss projected 49%, actual 65. Curtis Samuel projected nine, actual 23. McCaffrey projected 24. Actually only drafted on 14, so it went the other way. People people went away from McCaffrey. But the point is that the Sims, a huge part of what is going to give you the expected value is going to be those ownership projections being accurate and we are having a lot of the most important players on the slate, the highest projected players being miscalculated on how many teams they are. And I'm wondering if now that'll lead into, let's say uh, ownership projections get better. I'm wondering if that'll lead the other way where actually then the Sims will be saying, well, you can't be playing Tyreek if he's on 44% of your opponent's teams. And then the Sims are going to be giving you weirder teams. It's kind of this, it's this snake eating its tail sort of situation right it's it's a Nash equilibrium playing out in real time over like yeah. multiple weeks part of part of me enjoys that because we had so much talk early on in the season of like sims destroying things sims destroying thing now everybody jumps on it ownership starts to even out and then it's like pivots the other way because like that's why dfs is always going to still have an edge it's just how quickly can you get on board and adapt and right. pivot and um uh, yeah, I mean, it. I mean, I told you guys last week, was it the team that I had that it was like, this is a clearly bad team now that Sims did like going into the week. But if your ownership projections are are that off, you're going to be playing bad and losing money in, in GPP. So, um, yeah, I got bit by that. Was it two weeks ago with the Bills or last week with the Bills? So, um, yeah, it's 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 a real thing and it will affect your ROI. Yeah, but but I think to your point, Nate, I think that's exactly right, where it's just going to be cyclical. Like that's, that's just what it's going to be. And yeah, the, the, the people who are ahead of the cycle and understanding what the next step will be uh, are the ones that are going to succeed. So it's Sim, Sim, Sim early in the season and then hand build, hand build, hand build. From yeah. Week 10. On. Yeah. Pull, pull, pull down those tidy whities and sit down on the porcelain God baby and start entering lineups. Like you are going to get rich.
the phone shitter bros are gonna have their day you know i still don't think that is so much true i still think it's gonna be the sim bros it'll just be the sim bros who get better at projecting ownership well, I, I like the idea of winning a million dollars on my toilet better, Davis. I mean, so. obviously, like yesterday was like an all time. Just pick the right plays. Like just just click Purdy and Debo, uh, Mike Evans, Trey McBride or Sam Laporta. You know, like it, it was totally it was totally like just pick. It was not a game stack type situation. It was just click for, the for right sure. Guys. And I mean, man, I mean, is there any better microcosm than seeing Debo Samuel 30% owned in tournaments? No, that's that's when you know DFS is like a tough game to win at. Is that yeah. when this guy who can like get four or 37 on any given slate ends up being like giga chalk? Like that is when you're just like, well, fuck. Yeah. Like, what do you yeah. even do? Yeah. Yeah. He I actually, my, my other. He got seven touches and had the receiving <laughs> bonus and three touchdowns. <laughs> That's unreal. My, my my other team, my red zone team, was also a Purdy stack, but I stacked with Ayuk uh, because I just thought Ayuk would actually be the underowned guy. And when he caught the first touchdown, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm gonna be rich. And then Devo took back over. Yes, correct. Um, all right, that should that should wrap us up here today, everyone. Thanks for listening. Um, continue to send games to Davis Maddock, Whirling Dervish. And uh, I guess if you DM Nate, actually, wait, no. Nate, There's two things someone, you can do. You can, you can DM me as a or friend. add me as a friend. And then I come up in your thing every week and you can just, yeah. Yeah, so. you want to be you want to be friends with Nate and also a uh, personal apologies. Some people I missed their invites, this and that. I was out of the country uh, for for a little more than a week, so I couldn't enter some games. So if I missed your invite, my apologies. But but I'm back stateside. So and if I don't accept your game moving forward, it means that I think you're better than me. Uh, so no hard feelings. But if you if you're sending me two fifteens and your teams are good, um, I'm probably probably not going to accept them. You know, all is fair in love and war. See y'all next week. <laughs>